Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. So this morning we're going to continue to talk about our, our uh, theme of hope. And in 1 Peter, verse 3 through verse 5, Peter talks about not just an ordinary hope, but a living hope. And let's read our text, and then we'll pray, and we'll uh, receive all that the Lord has to say to us today. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's turn our heads and bow our heads and turn to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that as we come into your house today, we come with many things to be thankful for. Lord, we celebrate, Lord, how you have brought us through a very challenging year. We celebrate, Lord, the opportunities for ministry and service that have begun to present themselves. And Lord, we thank you for what has been done, and we pray that as we look towards the future, Lord, may we see clearly what you are doing, and may we have the courage and the faith to join you in it. But Lord, as we set our focus on living hope this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with that hope that is only found in you. May it become real, may it become alive, and may anything, Lord, that would stand in the way of us leaving here filled with your living hope be removed by the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So I'm going to start with a story this morning. It's a story about a man that, that lived um, almost 100 years ago. He was kind of in his professional career in the 1920s and, and 30s and into the 40s leading up to World War II. And he was um, a published author in the field of philosophy. And he served as the professor of philosophy at London University. And his name was this, C.E.M. Joad. So you look at that and you're like, he must have had three really complicated names to go by the initials, C.E.M. Joad. And at the time of an interview, he was not a, a Christian, and he was asked this question. He said, if you could meet one person from the past and ask them any question, who would it be, and what would you ask them? Without hesitation, he answered, Jesus, I would ask him the most important question in the world. Did you or did you not rise from the dead? And I think that heart just kind of came from a heart that was seeking, a heart that was searching one that was grappling really with not only this life, but 
the life to come because later on and shortly after that interview, he assessed some of the things that he had read to try to answer that question, did Jesus rise from the dead? And then he encountered Jesus himself in a church service. And then he wrote a book called Recovery of Belief, which chronicled his faith journey. And in it, he makes this declaration, the resurrection changes everything. It was the point in his life where he found faith because he recognized that Jesus was unlike any other. He may have come in the form of a man, but he was sent by God, the Son of God, to relieve mankind from our sense of lostness so that we could find rescue in him. And Peter, in our text today, is, is making that point. He's writing about 30 years after the resurrection, and he's writing to a church of Gentiles. They are out in Asia Minor. They're surrounded by people who are not living a faith that is following Jesus. And he says to them that in spite of the things going on around you, you are a people who have not only hope, but you have a living hope. And, and you might ask yourself the question this morning, what's the difference between hope and living hope? Well, the hope that we are familiar with before we meet Jesus is one that is defined in the world as something that could be called wishful thinking and uncertain outcomes. You know, the baseball season has just now begun and as a fan of the Chicago Cubs, I say to myself, it's okay to celebrate the Cubs. Because you know what? For many years, we started out the season saying, I, I hope they win the World Series. And what was it, like 116 years or something it was before we could finally say we did it? But you know what? There was that statement at the beginning of every season, I hope, I hope, I hope. But there was a hope that was uncertain because the outcome was to be determined at a, a, a later date. And that is not the living hope that Peter is reminding us of today because the living hope that we find in Christ, the living hope that is a part of his kingdom, is one that creates an eagerness within us because it is a hope that is filled with confident expectation. It is one that faces the moment and each day, and it is a hope that looks forward to the days to come with assurance. Because the uncertain things that surround us and what others may do does not affect the living hope that we are given when we place our faith in Christ. And because of that, Peter is saying to the church, in the middle of everything that you are going through, hope is alive. Because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have a living hope. So who wants a little more living hope this morning? Carlos does. Okay, Jan does. Let's see more. I'm going to tell you how to get it. And how to experience it. And how to have it be a part of your 
everyday life because that is precisely what Peter is doing in our text. And it begins with this. We receive living hope by remembering the resurrection. So in other words, we look back. We receive daily living hope when we look back to the resurrection because the resurrection reminds us of two significant things. It reminds us, one, of God's mercy, and it reminds us, two, that because of God's mercy, we can be given new life. So you know, when, 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 when the world is uh, circling in and, and things are beginning to, to, to kind of make you feel like you're having a hard time standing and maybe being knocked off balance a little bit, you look back to the resurrection, Peter says, because the resurrection reminds us of mercy. It reminds us that mercy triumphed over everything that could separate us from the living hope that comes from God. And, and, and I want to kind of give you an example from the life of Jesus that I think illustrates this well. Because we may find ourselves in moments where you know, we're uncertain if living hope is going to be a part of my daily reality. But when Jesus is a part of the equation, we can have an assurance that it will be. In John chapter 20, we see um, Jesus post-resurrection beginning to just kind of tie up some loose ends. He's got a short amount of time from the resurrection to the ascension. There are some things that he needs to do before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And one of the first things that he does is he appears to his disciples. John chapter 20 talks about them being in a locked room. They're fearful because they think the Jews are going to hunt them down, arrest them, try them, and maybe even kill them too. So they literally are in, in, in a context where they are just um, you know, kind of bound up in fear and isolated from everything. And then it says Jesus just she shows up in the room. That would be an interesting experience, wouldn't it? How many of you have ever locked the door to something and had Jesus appear? You know, sometimes we do that. Uh, we just kind of take something, we compart compartmentalize it and say, you know, off, off limits. You know, and then you go to a Bible study like Anne Marie was talking about, and, and you encounter community, and you encounter love, and you encounter the truth of Scripture, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up behind a door you've locked. It gives us a pretty good picture of God's love for us. You know, he's willing to show up to the places that even we don't want to go. That's where the disciples were. It had to be a somewhat awkward moment for them. We um, talked about Peter's denial, you know, last week, but, you know, Peter wasn't the only one that, you know, kind of had some missteps you know, during Holy Week. You know, Peter, James, and John, they slept instead of keeping watch and praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. All the disciples except John fled the crucifixion. And then on resurrection morning, all of the disciples were reluctant to believe the testimony of the women that said, He is risen. And it is kind of coming 
on the, on the heels of these very challenging experiences that Jesus shows up in this room. And I got to say that if this was a movie and we wanted to add some dramatic effect, we would go, dun, dun, dun. Now what? But the triumph of mercy is illustrated powerfully in how Jesus responds to them in their situation. Because he doesn't remind them of their wrong. But he says this in verse 19. Peace be with you. kind of reminds me of another time that Jesus spoke peace into a situation. He was in a boat, sleeping. The disciples are pailing water. They're fishermen. They know this is not a good situation. It's dangerous. It's life-threatening. They respond in fear just like on that day. They wake up Jesus, and Jesus just says, no, don't have fear, have faith. Peace be still, storm calms. Let me remind you about this in relation to our Lord. The wind and the waves, they still know his name today. They still know his name today. And when he comes into a situation, he does not come to increase the velocity of the winds or the shaking, but he comes to bring you peace. This reveals another kingdom principle that I, I want you to understand today and just kind of maybe think about throughout the week. And it's this, mercy is the application of grace. See, Jesus extends grace when we are guilty and mercy when we are miserable, even when we are locked in a room all alone. And when we look back at the resurrection, and we're reminded of the triumph of mercy, and we look at the place that we find ourselves, we are reminded that mercy runs to us. It does not leave us alone. But we serve a God who steps in as opposed to staying out. But He doesn't just do it to calm the momentary storm, but He also does it to kind of give us a focus for the future. Listen to, to this exchange because I, I, I feel like I read this John chapter 20 thing about 20 times this week. Because it was just like every time I read it, just something pricked my heart. And after I was reminded of, of, of God's mercy, I began to notice kind of what happened after the initial exchange. Because Jesus reveals himself. He shows them his hands, his side in verse 20, which is a reminder that he paid the price he had overcome. His mercy and, and, and forgiveness was going to be um, sufficient. But then after that, he didn't leave them in that place. He sent them. Verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So I think this is the mark of a disciple. A recognition that we are commissioned to carry on the work that he began. Let me say this about um, 
what I'm so excited about in relation to where we are at as a congregation. Whether it is a missions trip, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's an evangelism, uh, outreach, whether it is some other thing that was going on, even like the special music that was sung to us this morning, they are all being done by people who are saying, I want to be a gift that is given to others. You know, that's the heart that Jesus is encouraging his disciples to have. He's saying, I was sent and now I am sending you to be a gift and to carry on. And this is where we get into the greater things. You know, Jesus said, you know, greater things are you going to do. And you hear that and you think for a second, well, how in the world is that possible? Because Jesus, you know, you raised Lazarus from the dead and we read of the miracles, we read of all the things that are just astounding. They're supernatural. They're not of this world. And a part of the greater things that Jesus was talking about was the scope of what was going to happen because the work of the kingdom was not going to be isolated to one specific geographic location, but rather it was something that was going to spread and consume the world. And even as far back as the birth of the church, it began as the disciples carried on the work and did it in greater number because as they went, they did the same things Jesus did. And it says they turned the world upside down. So I kind of look at it like this. Jesus enters the room and he says, peace be still. And he kind of he turned the, the disciples upside down. And now the assignment to go and to carry on the work that he has begun is simply just to do what he has done for us. And the way that we do that is through the gospel. Because he tells them in verses 22 and 23 to share the gospel. Listen to this and then we'll unpack it. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sin of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sin of any, they are retained. You read that and you look at it again, don't you? Because you're like, what does that mean? This disciples, do they forgive people? No, they don't. God and God alone forgives. This is kind of the DNA of the gospel here. He's telling them that as they go to share it, and as they proclaim it, and as they live it out, there are going to be people who reject Christ and they remain in a position of, of, of staying unforgiven and unredeemed but then there will be those who receive Christ and they will know the mercy of God they will receive new life they will know the forgiveness of their sins all because they have received him and Peter makes reference to this it reminds us that that living hope is a gift that is given to those who put their faith in Christ. It's not something that can be received any other way. Verse 3 that we just looked at the beginning of says, Who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's abundant mercy but then that abundant mercy is received because we have been begotten again. And this is language that refers to new birth. 
In order to receive living hope, Peter is telling us we must leave behind an old life of sin and we must enter into a new life in Christ. Jesus explained it this way to a man named Nicodemus. Does that name sound familiar to you? He kind of comes on the scene in John chapter 3. We obviously, we remember you know, John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this is all a part of a conversation with Nicodemus, a leader and a teacher of uh, Israel in that day. And he is coming to inquire, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? And one of the responses that Jesus gives him is this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Living hope is a part of the kingdom. The kingdom becomes a reality in our lives when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And this image of being born again is not a rebirth physically, but it is a spiritual rebirth. It is, it is one that takes place. When we look to Christ and we say, I make you my Lord, I ask you for the forgiveness of my sins, and I place my life in your hands. And when that happens, we receive new life through the resurrection. And living hope becomes a part of our daily lives. I want to remind us all this morning, those of you who have put your faith in Christ, We don't just look back to the resurrection to receive new life, but we look back to the resurrection to receive strength each day. Because here's what the resurrection reminds us. As we follow Jesus, we're no longer of the rule of sin because of his victory over the grave. So living hope is a gift from God. It comes upon us when we look back to the resurrection but then it comes upon us when we look forward peter says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved for you in heaven so a part of the christian life is we look back but then it is also we look forward and we look forward to an inheritance that is imperishable one that cannot be taken away one that is not subject to death or decay or corruption. And we look forward to an eternal reality that is this. When He returns and we are with Him forever, He will share everything that He has with us. We receive much of it in this life, but in this life, things like the glorified body are not a part of what awaits us. In this life, we are still bound by time and not eternity. In this life, we still shed tears at times when life brings challenges our way, but we have a living hope because when we look forward, we are reminded that there is an inheritance and a destination waiting for us that is imperishable. Where every 
tear will be wiped away. For the limitations of this body will be removed. And time will no longer be in the driver's seat of our lives, but we will be with Him forever. We find comfort in that too, because we also know this. Those that we know and love who are in Christ and have perished are waiting for us. So we have a hope of reunion that is going to carry on forever and ever and ever. Just kind of struck by that reality, um, you know, freshly in the first service. And I'll just tell on Pam Roberts again. We talked about it after, after the service because um, so we reminded ourselves that we have loved ones waiting for us in a reunion that will be forever. Pam just, she gave a hearty amen. And um, when she did that, it, 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 it touched my heart because I knew, I know who she's looking forward to being with. Seth and Mid Sims served in our congregation. And the reason why it touched me was because it reminded me of how Seth touched my life as a younger man. And I'm looking forward to saying thank you to Seth and a whole lot of other people someday. But then it also reminds me that I want to conduct myself in a way that others want to say thank you to me in the future too. Living hope flowing from our lives. A recognition of God's abundant mercy that triumphed over the grave so that we could have new life and then when we're united forever, just having those moments where people are saying, you know what, thank you for being someone who lifted my hands when I couldn't hold them up myself. You know, thank you for being that one who prayed. Thank you for being that one who served. Thank you for being that one who shared that testimony. But between now and then, you know, we're faced with many, many choices. Many, many options. You know, things that we you know, can embrace. And as we're all kind of surveying our lives right now and looking forward, I want to just give us this encouragement. The journey of life is um, one that kind of has some billboards along the way. You know, on the journey we see things that call out to us and we, we read them and they want us to turn off onto an exit. And the temptation is always this. Well, the grass is going to be greener. Well, you know, if I, if I, if I abandon this thing, there's something better. And here's a life lesson that I've learned that oftentimes with greener grasses, you know, things don't quite play out the way that we think they were going to. 
And I'll share something with you a little bit quirky that I think will stick with you. And I hope and pray it will come up when you're in those decision-making moments. And we'll see if you respond better than 8 o'clock did. <laughs> Remember this as we're trying to live that life that, that sets that example, that pours living hope out in the lives of others. If the grass looks greener, it's probably AstroTurf. Now, you're going to remember that. I promise you. Because, you know, this is what I discovered. Everything that I'm tempted to not put in are the things you remember. <laughs> and that's just because that's kind of how our minds work, right? But we, 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 we go about this journey of life, and there are things that call out to us, and things that want us to go in other directions, and, and, and things that seem to have an appeal, but you know, when we are not going in the direction that God has called us to, it just ends up being astroturf. There's a facade, there's an appearance, and there's no life in it. And, and I want us to be in a place as we walk this journey together where we're looking forward and our focus is on an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that will not fade away because it cannot be taken away. Because it comes from God and God alone. And one last thing. It's going to help us keep that focus and stay moving in that direction. And I see the time. We'll be good. How do we experience this living hope Peter's talking about we look back we look forward and now I encourage you to look to the scripture look to the scripture daily because the scripture is an invitation from God to receive hope on a daily basis and we'll give you a verse that we'll put up on the screen Romans 15 4 it says for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The living hope that is found in God is renewed in us when we look to His Word. So here's the thing. The Word of God is the bread of life, Jesus said. And when we consume it, we receive its life and we see an increase of hope. So I encourage you today that if there has been some time between now and when you were last in the Scriptures, don't delay. Turn to His Word because it will build you up and give you life. But then as you receive it and as you consume it and and as your eyes begin to see the truth of God as He reveals it to you, perform this exercise. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Here's the listening part. We, we begin to either read or pray, and we just start telling ourselves all kinds of things. It might be 
the reasons why you feel disqualified from what you're reading. Or you might be telling yourself how hard the day is going to be that awaits. Uh, you might be reminding yourself of how someone has disappointed you and hurt you and wounded you. And, and we just kind of have these things that circle and speak and they want to occupy the mind. But when we look to the Scripture, we receive hope because God is, is, is eliminating things that want to drag us down. And He's giving us truth that lifts us up. And we embrace that truth and we incorporate that truth when we start to talk to ourselves. Or let me put it this way, we start to preach to ourselves. You know, if you've been here before, you've heard me say, this should not be the only sermon that you get throughout the week. And I'm not talking about listening to, you know, someone else online or an audio thing. I'm talking about you preaching to yourself as you look to the Scripture because what you find is for you. It's for you. And it brings a download of living hope into our lives. So here's my prayer for you as we prepare to go today. Romans 15, 13. I, I encourage you to just kind of write that down. I encourage you to, to maybe allow that to be a starting place because um, it really just defines, I believe, what God wants to do in us. And Paul writes this. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Living hope. We look back to the resurrection. We look forward to our inheritance. And daily we look to the Scripture. And as we think on these things, would you just stand with me? I want to bring us to a, to a point of application. And why don't we just take a moment to bow our heads and to humble our hearts. And as you do that, I'm going to ask you this question today. Are you filled with living hope? Because Resurrection Sunday reminds us that the Lord wants us to be. Are you filled with living hope? Or has your life become filled with, with something else? I'll just give you a moment to, to you know, kind of search your own heart. And if you need the, you know, the Lord to fill an empty place, just begin to ask Him to fill it. If you need Him to bring definition in regards to you know, steps that need to be taken or how you need to respond to Him, ask Him to speak to you. now if you're in that place where you could say you know what I could just use a little more living hope I'll just 
ask you to do what we do so often, and that is just to kind of open your hands and, and, and spread your arms wide, because this is kind of a, a receiving position. Yeah. And as we do that, we're just kind of, with our physical bodies, we're just um, responding to the Lord, and we're saying, Lord, Lord, fill me. Lord, I pray for every person, Lord, who's, who's taking this step in your direction. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to fill them with your living hope. And Lord, maybe it's coming from remembering your resurrection and the mercy that is available to all who call on your name. Maybe, Lord God, it's looking forward to a future that has hope. Because, Lord, we, we know, Lord, that we've had many days where as we look towards the future, Lord, it was, it was hard to see that. But, Lord, you're giving us that eternal perspective today. And we're grateful for all that you have waiting for us and, and all the ways, Lord God, that you are going to demonstrate that in our lives between now and the time that we are with you. Lord, maybe right now you're just um, bringing to our remembrance a, a promise from your scripture, and it's bringing life and hope and renewal to us, Lord. I pray that however you are working, Lord, fill us, Lord, abundantly. We ask you to not just to fill us to the top, but we ask you to fill us to a place where it is abundant and overflowing and pouring out, because we know that that is who you are. Lord, you said every good and perfect thing comes from above, Lord. Lord, so let every resource of heaven Lord, find its way into our lives as we turn to you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And I want to just close with one final question, and it's this. Do you know the Savior? Do you know the Savior? Have you turned your life to him? Have you asked him to forgive you of the wrongs that you have done? Have you come to that place where you say, you know, I need to establish him as Lord over my life? Because if you've come into the room today, or maybe you're in a living room watching us at home this morning, you're in that place, and you say, you know, I need to make first, take the first step and make first things first. That is to make Christ my Lord and my Savior so that I can... I can know and experience the hope that only He can give. We'd like to help you start that journey. Pray a prayer of faith together that establishes relationship with your Creator. We'd like to know who you are. And would you just raise your hand if you're here today and you say, you know, this Resurrection Sunday, I need to make Christ my Lord and my Savior. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you. And I see that hand too. Anyone else today just saying, you know, today is the day that I'm just going to put my life in the hands of Jesus. You know, let me put it this way. Maybe that was a decision that you made at one point in the past and your life has kind of gone in another direction. You're saying, you know what, today I, I, want to, I want to get back moving in His direction. So there's maybe a rededication or a reaffirmation of faith. If you're here today and you say, that's me, would you just show me who your hand is? Can I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else today? 
Jesus is calling. Let's recite a prayer together that affirms faith in Christ and establishes Him as Lord. And uh, for some, this is something that is starting a journey. And for some, this is just reaffirming a journey that is already underway. But we do it together as a community. So would you just repeat after me, dear God, I'm a sinner, but I'm willing to turn from my sin. But I need your help. I receive Christ into my heart by faith. I want him to be Lord of my life from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close in prayer, let me just say, if, if you are making that decision today, your next step is to tell someone. To become a part of a community because it is not God's plan for you to walk alone, but He wants you to be a part of a family and a body. And we would love uh, to be that place or to help you find that place. So if you need a Bible, if you need uh, something, uh, you know, just to start your journey today, we have that for you. If you're a guest today, we, we do have a gift for you. And uh, we're grateful that you have joined us today. And we hope that you will join us again very soon. But as we go, let me just pray a blessing over you. and Thank you for being here. Lord God, I pray that as we leave this place, may we go in your grace and in your peace. We pray, Lord God, that you would watch over us and keep us. And we pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to follow you between now and the time that we will gather again, may you smile upon us and may your favor rest upon us and may you keep us. And we thank you, Lord, for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.